there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? Thanks so much, Darlene. And with that, welcome back in Catch and Shoot 2.0 is back here in 2020. My name is Aaron Berlin. My co-host, his name is Otto Strong. Otto, 2020, new year, new us, right? How's it going? Uh, New year, new us, new job. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about that. You had a a big eventful holiday week and new year. I I, I did. Um, Had a a whole lot of stuff happen over the holidays, uh, including a new job, which uh, is, uh, for those who are wondering, I am the sports editor at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, And uh, my first day was uh, December 30th, the the day after the Cowboys season ended, and uh, thus began the the uh, Jason Garrett watch, um, and uh, so they have uh, they have switched coaches to Mike McCarthy for those who care. But but <laughs> but this is an NBA podcast, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna jump back to 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 NBA matters. But yeah, so that that's a new job. That that that's uh, that's what is new in my life, uh, sir. Aaron, what what about yourself? Well, before I dive too far into how my holiday break was, so does this mean that we are getting all the Luka Doncic content now? And we are getting all the Dallas Mavs coverage here on Catch and Shoot 2.0. Because if so, I'm completely fine with that. We we will we will. I I I um I have to admit um uh, so I just got my car yesterday. So it's you know I'm just I'm you know just kind of settling in. Got my car yesterday, so I'm hoping to get out to the arena um by the end of the week. Of course, the end of the week is uh, is Lakers Mavs. So I'll, so I'm gonna uh, tell the wife uh, I will be going to that game. <laughs> so. so for people who don't understand just how crazy the sports industry can be, the last time Otto and I talked, you were about ready to start this new job about four days later, right? Like you accepted the job and then had to be there almost a week later. I I was willing to get down here, you know, in large part because I knew uh, the Cowboys were not doing well, they were at least uh, underperforming, and I knew that uh, that Jason Garrett was not going to be was not to be kept, and so I really really wanted to be here prior to uh, to when all of the fireworks uh, and and Dallas Cowboys land kicked off. So that that was that was my driving force. But uh, but uh, you know, so here we are. <laughs> All right, Catch and Shoot 2.0, your latest Dallas coverage and the Fort Worth Star-Telegrams, Otto Strong. You know, Otto, my, my new year was great. My Christmas was wonderful. You know, I enjoyed that holiday. Uh, got to introduce the girlfriend to the family for the first time, so she met about 30 people in a four-day span. So that was wow. fun for her. And then the drive back was about a 19-hour car ride, Otto. And, you know, the car ride there wasn't as bad for some reason. It was 16 hours on the way there. It was 19 hours on the way back. Don't tell me how time works. 
but for whatever reason, I was home, I was happy, and then I slept and went into a coma for about the next day and a half. So I am excited and I am energized for this podcast. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. You know, um, and with that, you know, we say that we're excited, we're energized, but obviously this is an NBA podcast and there was nobody bigger in the NBA, nobody more prominent in the NBA than David Stern. And of course, the league got some bad news on January 1 with the passing of David Stern. He was the commissioner of the league for 30 years. You know, I think really a driving force behind kind of the NBA that we know. Otto, you really grew up with David Stern kind of as the commissioner and as the focal point of this league. We spoke about it two weeks ago when it came down that he was having issues. But what was that like on January 1 for you, for someone who had covered the league for so long and someone who had known David Stern? Well, I mean, for starters, it was a real uh, kind of hit me in kind of a different different sort of way because of, as you say, my association with with uh, you know being in New York and being in the same market and then being at ESPN for uh, as long as I was and, and you know, working with their office, um, you know, on a regular basis. Um, I mean, he was an incredible figure, but on a more personal note, he and his staff made every made every accommodation to. Uh, the wacky and crazy things that the that the magazine wanted to do, and the types of things that we wanted to to um, you know to, the, the types of coverage we wanted to um, to put forth. But um, but I mean, all of that really really takes a backseat to to what he was able to do. I mean, you look at just the list of accomplishments, what he accomplished in thirty years. I mean, that's almost like a hundred years worth of worth of stuff. Dream Team, new franchises, um, the, you know, the, the the revenue going up the way it did for players. Uh, the developmental league, the WNBA, um, you know, 200 countries, 40 languages. I mean, it, just think about this for a second. The NBA Finals, back when when David Stern took over, the NBA Finals were on tape delay. I mean, just let that wash over you for a second. I mean, <laughs> then we think of we we think of everything now being so immediate and and you know knowing what happened, you know, in the moment. Could you imagine what it would be like to do watch, wondering what happened in the NBA Finals, but you have but it's on tape delay. No, I can't, Otto, because that's kind of the amazing thing. You know, the NBA I have grown up with has, I wouldn't say it's been the dominant professional sports, but over the last 15 years, I think more people resonate and more people enjoy the NBA than the NFL. And, you know, we started thinking about this and I started looking at this on social and our producer, Bruce Bernstein, who worked with Stern at the draft for many years, has some good stories about this. But also, you know, the thing I saw on Twitter was, Players with outpouring of support, you know, just kind of posting photos of them on draft night with David Stern. And there was so much love and appreciation for how he grew the sport and the things that he did that I don't know if any other of the four professional sports, you would see that kind of thing. You know, I, I don't know if NFL players have the same relationship that they do with Roger Goodell. I don't know if Rob Manfred treats the sports the same way and the players the same way that David Stern not only understood that he oversaw a league and kind of it was his job to usher in a new era. But the way that he built relationships with players and the way that remember, this is a guy who the owners didn't work for him. He worked for the owners and he perhaps had a better relationship with players and owners than any other uh, commissioner in any of the four major sports. You know, there's one player that would probably have a good idea about both sides of this. And that would be Michael Jordan, who was drafted into the league the first year that he was the commissioner and then also understood him from an owner standpoint. And so it's really amazing to think about just how he changed the perception of the league and the relationships that he built along the way. 
Exactly. We'd be, you know, the trajectory of, you know, of the league, um, you know, not, not only guys like, like, like Jordan, you know, think about guys like LeBron who, you know, entered the league as, you know, I mean, clearly a phenomenal talent, but, you know, he's built an entire enterprise and empire in large part because of the, because of the um, types of um, uh, practices and, you know, that Stern and, and, and uh, what the league was able to do on with, with, uh, with, with his, um, with his direction and vision. Is it safe to say that no other commissioner in sports was more stubborn than David Stern was? You know, because just think about David Stern was a lawyer first and everything that he got done. And I think you have to be stubborn and you have to be adamant and you have to be a strong person like David Stern was. Stubborn, yes. Uh, vision, yes. Um, at the same time, compassionate. I mean, let's let's think about what happened you know, in in. Uh, in New Orleans after Katrina and, and how, you know, NBA cares became a, you know, a major focal point. Uh, I mean, the NBA all-star uh, weekend, uh, 2007 was in Vegas. And then uh, 2008 were, 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 in, were in New Orleans uh, you know, and, and folks are helping out players or you know, players are standing side by side with journalists stand by standing side by side with community members, you know, and I think the NBA really, really tapped into something there. Um, you know, at a time when it was important to show the solidarity between, you know, not just um, not just fans and, and players, but but the communities in which um, in which the uh, the markets exist. And let's put it this way: you, you mentioned visionary. He put teams in Orlando and Oklahoma City, and think about that. And those two teams have flourished in those markets. You know, Orlando's been to two finals. Uh, the Thunder have been to one with the run that they have. No other sports league would have ever thought to put professional franchises in those cities, and he did that, and he was confident in it, and it has worked. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, the the, uh, the question now is is you know, as as has always been for the last couple of years is is international. You know, you know what you know what tr- what can be accomplished. Obviously, that that uh, that clearly will will you know rest with with Adam Silver and others. But um, but he but but David definitely put you know he is the, he's the one who put the blueprint down uh, that that even gets us to this point where we can have these conversations about. You know, exploring uh, exploring a you know global market with 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 teams playing uh, in, in in other cities and and we we talked about it uh, you know last time we were on with respect to um, you know the, the 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 early season contest and whether that would become a vehicle um, or a means by which to get uh, teams playing you know overseas. Yeah, and just to kind of sum up everything that you're saying, Otto, is, you know, we were lucky enough here on Pure Hoops Media to have David Stern on on the Mike Weiss show, and that's definitely a show worth checking out. It was a fun listen, you know, for me after it kind of happened, it was fun to go back and listen to that and hear just some of the comments and everything that he had to say. We'll definitely miss him here. He was an integral part of the NBA fabric, but you know, from one sad story to another one, that's kind of exciting and invigorating. And this is something that I can't fathom auto because this man has played in four decades. I haven't lived in four decades, but that is one Vince Carter, Vince Sanity. What are your thoughts on that, Otto? At 42 years old, this man has played in four different decades in the NBA. Uh, crazy, Vince Sanity. In, in a word, and that is just insane. I mean, I don't think anybody thought that when uh, that when he came into the league that he would you know go from uh, you know Toronto to New Jersey to you know the the, the Memphis and now uh, years. Don't forget and, he played with the Magic. Don't and, even forget magic, about it, Otto. Magic, because yeah, I, and I can't forget about it because that that was his. Uh, 
in terms of postseason success, that that was kind of his, his uh, I think, his high watermark getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, you know, in having to face the, the Celtics, which they, you know, obviously did not uh, did, did, weren't able to, to take them down. But but yes, I I, I should have included the Orlando Magic. Uh, I'm, I'm slapping my hand as 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 we speak. I, I apologize. <laughs> so, so I, I, I ask you this, you know, we're going to remember Vince for, you know, that 2000 dunk contest and how great of an athlete he was and just how great of a person he is in general. And I think we're going to have him uh, on television for years to come once his playing days are over. But when you think of Vince Carter, the basketball player, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Oh, um, well, after the so after the dunk? Yes, after the dunk contest. <laughs> uh, well, how about the dunk over on Frederick Weiss? Oh, that was a good one. That's, that's a good one. That, that, so, to, so to me, I mean, the dunk contest, yes, but the dunk on Frederick Weiss just kind of, I mean, it 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 did a, I mean, it clearly did a lot for for Vince, but also did a lot for for USA basketball and international basketball at the same time. Uh, it was just kind of one of those seminal moments where, um, you know, unfortunately for 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 Mr. Weiss, but uh, but 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 for the rest of uh, for the rest of us, uh, it, it was an incredible moment. But um, just you know, the the pure, pure athleticism, um, you know, going all the way back to his days at UNC, um, it just you know, an, an incredible talent. Um, you know, I, I I think most fans would have loved to have seen more of him, um, enjoy more postseason success postseason success but at the I was same gonna time say, do, you, do you think that the nba was robbed the fact that he never won a title I, I feel robbed just because of how good of a player he was and to think about it you know you mentioned his international success I, I had a hard time when i saw this and i looked this number up before today's show he has one gold medal when it comes to olympics he has two with fiba but just one gold medal and no nba titles that was hard for me to believe yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a lot without. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with just kind of the way that that um, you know basketball was constructed, Team USA was constructed at that at that time. Um, you know, and, and also the not to take anything away from Vince, but the you know the four decades, if we could kind of you know pivot slightly, you know, I think a guy like LeBron could have been someone who would have, could have played in four different decades. Now, you know, aside from the fact that he came into the league in two thousand three. And, you know, unless he has some incredible, beat, uh, you know, genetic, uh, um, uh, you know, background we don't know about, he's, he's, you know, unlikely to be playing, you know, into the, you know, 2030s. Um, but what I think he is looking to do, and he has certainly made, made, uh, made comments about this, is uh, play uh, alongside or against his 16-year-old son, Ronnie. And uh, that would be, that would be pretty interesting. I, I don't know, Aaron, you have any thoughts on that? Well, you know, the thing that, you know, it's it's amazing. You sit here and you say you can't fathom it happening. But LeBron is, what, 35 now? And, yep. you know, when you look at him at 35, he's still defying father time, which a lot of players cannot do and don't do. And at 35, he's still one of the top five players in the NBA. And so you sit here and you say, well, what would he be like at, at 45? You know, because I think Vince at 42 is still a very integral piece for an NBA team, most notably a team trying to build young players. And I don't know if LeBron would ever let his career get to that point, but I know LeBron loves playing basketball and he loves being around the fabric of the NBA. But at 45-year-old LeBron can still teach players the proper way to come into the league and the proper way to kind of carry themselves on a day-to-day basis. I think it could happen. But, you know, and we're going to talk about Luka Doncic later in this show, kind of when we get to our old school, new school stuff. But 
you know, that's a player that when you look at kind of how he entered the league and how the calendar has fallen, that's a player that's already played in two decades. And with what he's doing in the league, he could potentially be the next player to play in four decades. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, his, his style, I mean, his, I feel like, you know, a number of people are still kind of a little bit waking up to him. Obviously now I'm in this, uh, in this, uh, Fort Worth Dallas market. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a, de- a steady diet of, of Luca. Uh, Does everyone just play Hallelujah all the time? Is that the <laughs> only song that you hear? Because it's the only one in my mind every time I think of the Fort Worth area. <laughs> um, there, there are some other songs that come to mind. I remember this is probably maybe a Cowboys Town first and foremost, but but at the same time, you know, they, the team is making incredible inroads in large part because of Luca, in large part because of the, of the success that they're having. You know, but, um, you know, I just, you know, I have obviously, you know, fallen in love with this game. I mean, outside game, tremendous inside game. I think some, I think early on people were trying to, you know, who's this overseas guy sleeping on on him a little bit, but you know, to their peril. But he's like 19 triple doubles in his career already. I mean, you know, he's going to have, in all likelihood, uh, the single season triple double record, and he, you know, may even threaten, you know, uh, threaten. Uh, I believe kids uh, with a hundred and hundred and change, or is it? Well, here's here's a nugget I'm going to blow your mind with before we end this, just to kind of leave you on this. And it's something that I know that you've probably already heard in this market. He has more 30 point triple doubles this year than the rest of the league has combined auto. Think about that and let it sink in. It, 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 is, it is sunk in. It's time once again for that catch and shoot 2.0 favorite, old school, new school. So we just talked about Luka Doncic. And news this week was that Jerry West, the logo himself, has said that he believes that Luca could be better than Dirk Nowitzki. Now, that that may be uh, it may become as a pretty bold statement, you know, especially when when it's made in the in the Dallas area because because uh, of uh, Dirk and, and his legendary status here. But uh, uh, Aaron. I'm going to have to say that this is one of those times where this is a, you know, a new school, old school segment. But I think this is one of those times where an old school guy like me is going to say, I think the old, old school guy of Jerry, Jerry West is kind of right here. Well, yeah. I, I mean, when you think about it, Jerry West is like the ultimate talent evaluator, right? Like there were stories about when the Lakers worked out Kobe that he said, yep, that's the guy. That's the one that I need to have. He's the future Hall of Famer. And, and so like my first instance when I heard that, was what would Jerry West think about Luka Doncic? Like when they were going back and they were evaluating these players in 2017, what would his write-up have been on that? Because remember, when Luka was drafted, there were a lot of people who were still kind of indecisive on him. A lot of boards had him at number one, but some boards had him falling as far as five or six. And if kind of Dallas didn't have like the ultimate international player in Dirk Nowitzki, what would that have skewed their opinion of Luka? And, you know, the amazing thing that I keep going back to is Dirk Nowitzki won a title in Dallas. And, you know, until Luka can do something like that, I don't know how you can make that statement, how you can make that assumption. Because, you know, the the big argument that we always go back to with this is, you know, LeBron Jordan, right? Like, who's better in those scenarios? Well, Jordan won more titles, but LeBron has more points, more accolades, more kind of just higher in the overall standings as far as rankings go. But we always fall back to championships. And if you're going to be better than Dirk Nowitzki in that market, 
you have to win a championship. So it, it's weird, Otto. Our roles are kind of reversed on this, and that I think because Dirk won a championship there with the team that he was on against LeBron and that Heatles team, I'll still take Dirk in this. But I will say this. It is so impressive what Luca has done in year two. And, you know, the run of 30-point games that he's been on, the triple-doubles and the 30-point games that he's done with that, it's just something that I don't know if we've seen. And I'll ask you this. So many people want to compare Trey Young and Luka Doncic because those two were involved in that draft night trade. But it is, is it even fair to Trey Young at this moment to be compared to Luka? Or do we need to start comparing Luka to other players like LeBron? Obviously, you have to start looking at other players like like LeBron, um, and 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 um, uh, but I, but I do want to go back to to one thing you said with respect to to uh, championship. I agree with you. There's no doubt. You know, I think yeah. that the, the could is is the is the key word here. You know, you could, and when you look at the roster, um, I mean, they've 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 got talent. I mean, clearly, I mean, they could play with anybody and they could beat anybody in any, any given night. I mean, you know, you know, obviously, Porzingis. Um, you know, you know, Seth Curry, I mean, Hardaway Jr. I mean, you know, they've got some guys who, who can, who can ball and who can get up, um, you know, Brunson and Berea. I mean, you know, they're a talented group and, you know, and, you know, Carlisle, you know, as, as coach is a, is the mainstay there and he's the, he's the glue guy and he's going to be the guy that, that I would imagine is going to get them, you know, get them to that point over the hump. Um, you know, time will tell whether they can, you know, take down the a Lakers or a Clippers squad, but they, they definitely have the talent and the ability to play with anybody. So will they, you know, will they, you know, would the could become a, um, you know, will they knock down that could and, and will he uh, eclipse Dirk? You know, we, we, we shall see, but uh, get, getting back, getting back to, to Trey Young. Um, I, you know, I, I think that, I think that Luca is um, in, in, you know, comparing a guy like him, you know, you got to look at, at at folks like LeBron and and people who have um, who can do so many things. Well, obviously, I love Luca's inside game. I love his outside game. But there's one other thing that it kind of kind of caught me, uh, you know, and I, that I think is really cool. So he's got this thing where after hitting a three from like 31 feet out, or uh, you know, or, or a nifty nifty layup, he'll like as he's running back, he'll like kind of you know do that kind of semi, you know, that Jordan shoulder shrug kind of thing, like. You know, like, sorry, guys. You know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it, you know, there's no uh, over-the-top showboat, but I, I think it's kind of a cool thing for, you know, for a kid his age to be doing that. Oh, absolutely. This is a kid that knows that he's good and he knows what he's capable of. And, you know, he's, he's not showboaty. He doesn't like talking about himself and he doesn't like talking about the accolades. And that's kind of something that that's different, right? You know, this segment is old school and new school. And when you think about some of the newer players in the league, you know, Players like being flashy. They like being alpha dogs. They like having that mentality of like, I can go out and beat you on any given night. I can drop 30 on you and I'm going to shove it in your face. Luka Doncic is not that way at all. You know, I go back to a thing that happened earlier in this year where he went on a run in early December. And I want to say it was like consecutive 20 point games or something like that, where he had eclipsed a mark of Michael Jordan, right? Like the ultimate goat, the guy who's won six championships who everybody compares to LeBron. And he didn't want to talk about eclipsing Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan. And in his mind, you know, that is the guy that you strive to be. You don't talk about beating him in something. You strive to be him. And, you know, just kind of another note on Luca and what I think is most impressive is 
we all thought that Luca was going to be good. I don't think we thought that he would be good this fast. You know, I think he arrived quicker than what everybody thought. You know, usually by the time you get to the end of your first NBA contract is when you start really kind of feeling yourself out. You start kind of setting a place in the league of what you can do. For Luca, it hasn't been that way. You know, really since about the second half of last year, he's played at a superstar level. And that has been what's so impressive and the poise for which he plays at. You look what he did Monday night. You know, I think he had 17 of the Mavs final 19 points in that basketball game. And players who are just in this league for the second year don't play like that. You know, this guy is on a completely different level than everybody else. Ask Aaron. Okay, this one comes courtesy on Twitter via at Matt Cohen. He says, quote, meant to ask you last night, what's the theme of the uniforms the Magic wore on Monday? Looked Halloween-esque. And, you know, Matt, that's kind of, I think, the same assumption most people here in Orlando have is what are these uniforms the Magic are wearing this year? Uh, They have a gray and kind of an orange theme to them with a gray and orange court that they're also parlaying on that same night. Well good for you that I have some kind of a history lesson for you on this. So the orange uniforms are actually for kind of like the citrus season that the state of Florida has. The problem is, Matt, when you look deeper into this, Central Florida and Orlando has not grown oranges in about 40 or 50 years because it gets too cold here in the wintertime. So you actually have to go down further south for that. So really, it should be a uniform that the Miami Heat are maybe wearing. But if you're the magic on this, and this is one thing I've thought, they need to lean harder into the theme park-esque presence in this market than just embrace it. Have fun with it. Enjoy it. Don't try and make it something that your city can't even kind of relate to. Ask Otto. This week's Ask Otto question comes to us from Turk Daddy 20 And the question is, is Zion Williamson going to be a total bust in the NBA? So I'll say this for a guy who, you know, we haven't seen him play. He has yet to play a minute um, in, of NBA basketball. And obviously we, we know what he can do you know, on, on the college ranks. And that, and that was, that was impressive to say the least, but you know, the NBA is a different sport. And when you combine the fact, and it's, and it's a season is of a different length. And so when you combine the fact that you've got a guy who's six foot six and he weighs listed 284, 285, my concern for a guy like that with that size is how is he going to hold up over 82 games? Now, you know, we can throw around load management all we want, but the fact of the matter is that the playoffs, you know, if, you're, if your team is going deep, the playoffs are long. Uh, if you're a star like, like Zion is and projected to be, he'll be expected to play summer ball, like, you know, Team USA ball. And so the rest that he's going to get is going to be you know, a lot, lot shorter than, than, you know, what obviously what he experienced in college, but also a lot shorter than what most NBA players are going to get. And so my concern for him is, you know, what is that wear and tear going to look like, you know, after year two, after year three, after year four, when he gets into his late 20s, is he going to be the same player, be able to get up and down with the same ferocity that, that you know, that he, you know, that we expect him um, to be able to do? Now, personally, I'm a guy six seven. I'm about two forty five now. I used to be about two fifteen, two twenty, and I could tell you that the weight makes a difference. Even that little bit, and I'm, I'm certainly not going to make a case like I'm an NBA player, like I'm playing any kind of real ball. But you know, the weight does make a difference. I do notice a difference. 
And so I would just say that, you know, I would hope that, that for, for a guy like him, um, that he learns to, you know, to manage, manage that weight. Uh, and, and um, you know, hopefully he'll have a long and successful career. Bruh. Okay, Otto, this is one of my favorite segments every week. It's our bruh segment. But when I think about this, you know, I saw earlier this week, Shaq was on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. And a lot of times I don't stay up late enough to watch The Tonight Show. I just see kind of like the clips that make their way in the social realm. But Jimmy Fallon obviously asked Shaq what he thought about LeBron and AD and that pairing in the City of Angels. And, you know, Shaq goes that he said in their prime, Shaq and Kobe would be AD and Bron in their prime. And, you know, my first thought is, yeah, that'd be a tremendous game. But also, I'm tired of players who are out of the game trying to kind of make a point and get back into it. Shaq's always going to be an integral part of the NBA, so it is what it is. But I just want to stop the comparisons and let each player, each realm, each decade speak for themselves because there's no way to justify this. And all we get in is these big screaming arguments. But I will say this. I think AD and Braun would take them just because of the skill sets. All right, Otto, what do you got? Okay, so my bruh is more like a bruh. Like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not even sure that's the right intonation. But but I'll, I'll tell you what it is, and I'll come back with another bruh with the, with, the, with the word one more time. So I'd seen the other night Joel Embiid and uh, Stephen Adams got tied up in the Sixers uh, Thunder game. And, you know, Embiid goes walking off toward the sideline. And what you saw was Embiid's ring finger kind of bent at a 90 degree angle. Uh, and, you know, he had to pop to, you know, pop back in. This was in the first quarter. He had to pop back in, came back and finished the game with 18 and 8 and 32 minutes. And so it's a raw out of respect and just like mad respect. Like, you've got to be kidding me. So that's what I was going for with respect to the bra. Anyway. All right. So uh, on one final note here. So uh, as we said at the top of the show, uh, I am in the Fort Worth Star Telegram newsroom. And so for those for the uninitiated, being in a newsroom means you might hear sounds and all kinds of things. People doing work, uh, people arguing and all kinds of things, you know, talking about stories and whatever it might be. So if there were any kind of, you know, uh, undercurrent of, of noises you know, coming from my end, that's what's going on here. Uh, I, I, uh, we'll, there'll be more of that. So, 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 so don't, uh, don't adjust the, the volume on your, on your dial there. Anyway, thanks to you all for listening to catch and shoot 2.0. We appreciate each and every one of you who join us each week. Thanks to our producer, Scott Turkin, Bruce Bernstein, and our editor, Ben Wolfen for being such great teammates. Please check out all of our other pure hoops media shows. And, you know, Otto, I can't unsee what just happened to Joel Embiid, so I'm blaming you for that image in my mind the rest of the day. But just a reminder to everybody out there, the Mike Weiss Show has a new episode each Monday, Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt drops each Thursday. The Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman drops every Friday. And Otto and myself are back each Wednesday with Catch and Shoot 2.0, so please check them all out. Download and subscribe. You guys have no idea how far that goes for us. Rate and review. But most of all, just enjoy them, and we'll see you next week. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.